Commerce Weekend. One little thing, I, I, I saw somebody come in today and I said, they're not supposed to be here today. And we're glad to have Carvin here. Carvin just got back from Guatemala yesterday. And we're glad to have But we're glad that he is, and we're glad to have Bryce's mother. Bryce has a mother, y'all. <laughs> and we're, we're glad to have her with us this evening. Do I see any others that are, are new or not supposed to be here? <laughs> we want to welcome Don. Don. Don's been with us yesterday. Spent a couple sessions with us yesterday. Had a, had a good time of, of building relationships yesterday. And the, the, the script has been turned now. We've got to talk, I guess you talked about faith promise in, uh, in Sunday school. And uh, so today we're going to talk about our mission. So I hope that you all will join us. Uh, by the way, if um, everyone should have got one of these faith promise things in the mail, if you did not get one, we got some extras. <laughs> Just for you. If you need a card,
gathered to make you the focal point of our lives. And so, Lord, would you inhabit the praises of your people? And may you speak to us, and we have open heart, hearts and ears to hear what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, I, I love Jesus' sayings because there's a, there's a uh, there, you know, the songwriter was so spirit uh, led that when he wrote, he talked about the rolling tide. <laughs> Did y'all get that? And, 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 and I hated the, the Donna and, and uh, James, they just came in, but uh, they needed to hear that. And they would have said, put out a big roll tide. So, uh, hey, I my humor for the day, you know. Hey, I want to welcome you each and everyone. This is a, a little bit different weekend. See, I told you they were coming right there. You missed the time you could say roll tide in our service. Can I say And we're glad to have Donna. Donna's been in the hospital for a week, week and a half. And we're so glad that she's, she's back with us this today. So, and that's a hearty roll tide praise the Lord. Um, in our giving this morning, if you've come to give, uh, our offering is in the back, in a little box, a back box. You like to slip your tithe or offering in there. Uh, it will be appreciated and will be marked uh, as you have intended. Also, a couple of things. Uh, Wednesday is, is uh, Ash Wednesday. Y'all know that? You didn't know it was Ash Wednesday? Yeah. You know what Tuesday is? It's that Tuesday. You know, I really, I, Mary, I'm sure. <laughs> <coughs> uh, and we, uh, we are going to have a Bible study that night. Please come as we look into the book of John, the third sign. A couple of uh, other things I want to share for your thoughts this morning. There, there are good things that are happening in our congregation. And uh, on March the 31st, we are going to have, that's Easter Sunday, by the way. Y'all plan on being here Easter uh, because we got a baptismal service that day. And it is exciting. We got three people that are going to be baptized, and we are so glad for that. Now, I'm going to I say that this morning because if there's someone here uh, or in our congregation that would would uh, like to follow the Lord, that never been baptized, would like to follow the Lord in baptism, uh, please see me. We, we can include you. I couldn't. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that's wanted to throw that out. Also, uh, most of you know uh, Bridget Somerville Hill now, and uh, Bridget has come a long way to her faith in the last seven, couple of years. There are two little ones, and they were part of our congregation, and she has remarried, and has, she's actually moved away from us. And we are going to have a gift card shower for Bridget next Sunday afternoon. Is that correct? Somebody tell me it's correct. Yes. That, that is correct. And that's it. What time? Two to four. 
So you all uh, appreciated Bridget, and I, 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 I hate to lose them, but we also need to show our appreciation and love for a new uh, part of their life that is continuing. That's next Sunday, uh, 2 to 4, so please remember that. Well, we're going to continue our worship, and uh, join us as we, we sing this morning. I think the choir actually has a special gift, is that right? But you can sing it if you want. <laughs>
time for our prayer concerns and to uh, go to prayer this morning. And in our prayer concerns this morning is, uh, what to remember the ones that are written here, we have Donna. I'm sure she will continue to appreciate your prayers. And uh, Barbara Powell is on here this morning, but she's been taking radiation treatments. I think she's down to her last last couple, not too many more. And, and it's been taking Hold on her, her uh, life, so we need to remember her prayer and win. Sandy Adams is not here, so i to have Carmen here. As I said before, uh, Carmen is an instrumental part of our faith promise. And uh, we appreciate him and his ministry so much. I told him we talked about him yesterday morning and asked him if his ears were burning, and that's why he's here today, to protect his innocence. Now, we'll go ahead. That's a blessing to our Congregation here. Remember, uh, uh, Pastor Ray Owens is, is recovering very nicely. He sent me a note this week and said the doctor said everything was going good. And uh, he's going to be speaking here in two weeks from today. And he's filling the pulpit while we've gone to Arizona uh, to get warm and dry out. <clears throat> and uh, Nancy and Charles. Most of you know Nancy and Charles are just not very good health-wise, and how they've always been at our, at our services, never missed them. And in the last several days, they've just been unable to be here, and we just want to pray for them, lift them up in prayer. Sarah Haynes, Ronnie Causey is BJ's friend, uh, and Michaela, who is a student there. Was she have her tests already? She did, and she passed. All right. <laughs> people's lives. And 
Lord, we may not see it on the outside, but Father, we can hear it on the inside. And we, we just thank you, Lord, for your work amongst your people. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this weekend where we can have our mission renewed. Uh, Lord, we've been doing faith, promise, and missions outreach for many years. But Lord, we want to hear the story again. And the importance, Lord, that even our little church can be to the big kingdom of God. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for salvation that you've given us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here this morning. And now, Lord, the rest of the service is yours. We give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a new song. At least they tell me it's a new song. New song? And so, new songs are sometimes hard, but this is an easy song, but it tells a message. A message that should be implanted upon our hearts called the Songs of the Nations. Would you stand as we sing before our John brings the words?
Uh, afterwards, we're going we're gonna to have a time of commitment to faith promises. If you brought a faith promise commitment, we're going to have, have a time for that this morning. And uh, you can tell a little board up here, we got we got to go for like 21,600. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go for that this morning. And, uh, you know, I've never seen the church fail that had a wonderful mission. discouraged Russian rabbi 
who was taking a, a, a long walk one evening, very kind of aimless. He wasn't paying attention to where he was going. And without realizing it, he strolled to the edge of a military compound. When suddenly there was a guard, uh, a, a voice from the dark, a guard at that compound, uh, spoke out the words, who are you and why are you here? Well, the old rabbi seemed confused by the questions. Uh, the guard repeated more loudly, who are you and why are you here? To which the rabbi replied, when asked why he, uh, how much do you uh, make, how much do they pay you every month? And when asked uh, why he wanted to know, the rabbi replied, because I need someone to ask me those two questions every day. Who are you and why are you here? But those are appropriate questions for us this day, for the church to answer. Who are you? Who are you, Cypress Street Church? And why are you here? Uh, through the years, I've noticed that churches tend to dwell too much on either the past or the future. Uh, I think of the past. You know, there are a lot of churches in the United States who long for the good old days. I think there's a lot of churches, that if they could only go back to the 1950s, they would be so happy. And uh, uh, you know, I was a young child in the 1950s, and a lot of that I loved. And uh, I, I, I loved watching Andy Griffith and Mayberry Town experiences and uh, brought back lots of memories. But we don't live in the 50s anymore. And while we as a church should appreciate our history and our heritage, the truth is we can't dwell there, can we? We cannot replicate the past nor should we wish to. Our friends, faithfulness should never be confused with nostalgia. Uh, so we, we can't dwell in the past, we can't expect the past to come back again. And the other extreme I see is that churches oftentimes dwell too much in the future. And what do I mean by that? I know churches that every Sunday they're singing a song about heaven. Uh, during the winter, my wife and I, we worship at a church in Central Florida, and uh, it's, they had two services, one more traditional, one contemporary, and the traditional one is earlier, and they tend to sing uh, a lot of hymns, and I like hymns, but invariably every Sunday they're singing one, at least one song about heaven. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? It's okay to sing about heaven. But we, we, if we constantly dwell on that, or if we can just think about how to escape this life to get to the next, uh, then we're missing out on what God wants to do in and through us here and now. Your own website says there's more to Jesus than punching our ticket to heaven. And I applaud you for saying that. And I know that because of the times in which we live, uh, and the situation of what's happening in the world and in our country, there are days we welcome an exit ramp. But God has a job for us to do while we're waiting here. Uh, what we find in the text is the disciples were only thinking about the future. Are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And in response to that, Jesus clearly informs them it is not the time for them to dwell on the future, but to be on mission with God. His ascension into heaven was not the end, but it was going to mark a new beginning for them. Yes, he was going away, but he would send his spirit soon to empower them for ministry. And so when I come to Acts chapter 1, especially verse 8, I find that it describes for us what the church is to be doing until Jesus returns. We are witnesses. Witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the whole and the ends of the earth. Now, on the surface, that seems like such a tall order for these 11 disciples. After all, they were not the most gifted, they were not the most articulate, they were not especially loyal, or they, they were not connected to, to really influential people. But the command that Jesus gave them seemed impossible given the scope of the mission. How in the world did he expect them to do everything he was asking them to do? But what is humanly impossible always becomes possible when we allow God to guide and empower us. Well, Jesus' words here in our text remind us that God calls us to be on mission with him. And that mission is here, it is there, it is everywhere. Jerusalem is our here. And, and so I say to you, mission begins at home. Now, for someone who's been a strong advocate for global missions for most of my ministry, that may sound strange for me to say, but mission begins at home. Because that's what Jesus said. And then shortly after Pentecost, Peter spoke of forgiveness plus the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. Indeed, isn't it true that we welcome the promise for our children and the next generation? The next generation that's here. Not, not the next generation someplace else in the world, but we pray for our children and our grandchildren and those we love right here. Please hear me. I'm an advocate for global missions, but global mission is not in competition with global outreach. We can never afford to abandon our home base while going <coughs> after distant lands or people. Our mission begins here. So our Jerusalem is where we live, with people who are just like us. Uh, today, the United States is a growing mission field. We are the third largest mission field in terms of unchurched population. We're only behind China and India. And we're losing ground. But David Fitch, who is a professor at Northern Seminary, says there's not a single county in the United States where the number of practicing Christians is growing overall. The fastest growing religious identification is none. I'm not talking about those, those women in black robes. And I'm talking about N-O-N-E-S, those who say no, uh, no religious affiliation, none of the above when they complete a religious survey. They're simply not interested. 
According to Christianity Today, nuns were 17% in 2009. Ten years later, they're 26%. Most of them are not atheists. Religion is just not important to them. And they're here. They're all around us. The good news is that according to some surveys, as many as a third of the nuns say, probably we're going to be back in church someday. But not yet. So how do we reach our Jerusalem? And I suggest to you that it, it, it takes more than just having a building on Cypress Street. Do we agree with that? But more than ever before, it's going to be through relationships. Relationships with people we know. People, relationships with people we build. Uh, and that will be a sign that we're for them, not against them. Uh, almost every Sunday afternoon, I will turn on, uh, on my computer and I, I'll check into two or three worship services that take place. And one of them is Parkside Church in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Alistair Begg uh, is a pastor or preacher that I love to listen to. Um, we're different theologically, but I love his preaching style. I love the, the worship service. Uh, he's got in trouble recently because he has a, a worldwide audience and there was one grandmother who wrote to him and asked for advice. Uh, she has a grandchild who is uh, uh, was going to get married and it's a transgender wedding and uh, wanted advice what she should do. And he said, you know, she said, should I go to the wedding? Should I give a gift? And he said, yes. Because you know, if, if you let them know that you're, that doesn't fit with your belief of what the scripture says, if they know that stance, it's okay to go and support them because you love them and, and for you to cut them off and, and, and turn your back to them that's going to limit your opportunity to be a strong witness to him in the future. And he is just, you know, he's made a lot of criticism of those people. And I see both sides of the issue. He's very much for the biblical standard of marriage. But he's also for relationships that can be cultivated so that people can see the love and light of Christ through you. And it's so important that we recognize that. You know, let's be honest, the faith environment in which some of us were raised encouraged us to withdraw from the world in part out of a theology that said we're better than you are, or we're at least different. And, and I appreciate the holiness background in which I was raised, but a part of the failure of that is you cut yourself off from everybody that you knew, and you limited your witness when you did that. And I think that whole idea would have been absurd to the Apostle Paul, who talked about winning the respect of outsiders. So we have a Jerusalem to reach, and the way, one way to do that is to build relationships, cultivate relationships with them, get to know them. Let them get to know you. Monroe and West Monroe population is almost you know, 36,000 people combined, according to the 2021 census. Uh, something like 160,000 in the Wachita Parish. Did I say that right? You did. 
There's about 30 to 35 percent who live in poverty. Uh, 42 percent claim to be evangelical, and that's on the increase. Mainline denominations are declining like they are across the country. Catholic population is increasing a little bit. But the fastest growing religious segment is, like everybody else, place else in the country, uh, is, is none, 37% in this parish. Something like 57,000 people. So my question to you is, how are you personally engaged in fulfilling the mission that's close to home, your Jerusalem? How many close, unchurched friends do you have? You know, the tendency is for the, the, the longer we're in the church, the more we gravitate toward friend relationships in the church and having fewer friends outside the church. And, and again, don't hear what I'm not saying. We need friends in the church. We need that, that accountability. We need that support base. We love being with people who are like us who believe like we do. Nothing wrong with that. But if we don't have any good friends outside the church, you know, who's going to be who, who's going who's to know of our heart and passion for Jesus and be able to speak into their life and their time needs? Does your prayer life reflect the lost people who are close to home? And what are you willing to do to be a greater blessing to your community? That's your here. That's your Jerusalem. God calls you to reach them. Are you inviting friends and neighbors to worship here in this place? That's a, a beautiful place to worship, and this is a loving congregation. They would welcome your friends. Are you inviting them? So our mission is here, but it's also there. And here Jesus talks about Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. When we talk about Judea and Samaria, we're talking about those areas that are Geographically close but culturally different for the Most devout Jews believed Samaria was an area and a people to be avoided. And there was a long history that fostered suspicion and disdain. You know, you go to John chapter 4, and, and uh, Jesus, uh, is, they're down in Judea and they're going to go up to Galilee. And most Jews, devout Jews, in order to avoid Samaria, which was right in the middle, they would cross the line, the, the Jordan River, they would go north and then cross the river again, but they were not going to go through Samaria. They hated it that much. Um, and yet Jesus knew that, that there was a woman at the well that he would encounter in Samaria that he had an appointment with her in God's calendar. Uh, and so he didn't get the memo. He didn't go through Samaria. He went to Samaria because he loved the Samaritans, because he intentionally wanted to engage in conversation with some people. And in the process of doing so, some of their misconceptions about the one true God was broken down. So my question is, who are the Samaritans in your life? And more importantly, more important than asking what do you think of them is the question, how do they view you? What do they think of you? you know, there is some significant ethnic diversity in your parish. 
And when I look at the racial and ethnic differences today, we're going to have two and a half percent are Latino, one percent Asian, thirty-seven percent black. There's an economic divide between the haves and have thoughts. There's a younger generation who may have different values than you do. Uh, persons with a different sexual orientation. Um, you see, being on mission in our Judea and Samaria begins with understanding those whom we're called to love and serve. I'm not saying you accept and endorse everybody out there whose beliefs and value systems are different. I'm saying see them as God sees them. And, and praying to help God help you to understand them and to try to reach out. The United States is the most diverse nation in the world. Every language, every culture, every ethnic group in the world is represented within our borders. Some researchers say that in another 40 years, white Americans will be a minority group in the United States. I know that freaks out a lot of people. But Christian author Rebecca McLaughlin reminds us immigration isn't an erosion of Americans' Christian identity in fact, she says the opposite is true. Most immigrants to the United States are, are come from a Christian background, and the racial demographic, demographic that's eroding Christianity in America is white. Uh, last night I shared with you my position about immigration and the borders and all of that. And I, and I, I stand by those words. I believe that we are a nation of laws and borders should be closed and people should go over the right to the right But, but the, the bigger problem for us is not the, the changing demographic of, of all the ethnic groups that are coming in, but the fact we're just not reaching our own people. We're not effective, doing an effective job of reaching people who are just like us. So in what ways are you stepping outside your comfort zone to reach out to those who are close to home who may be different from us, who have different beliefs, and that's on top of how do we reach people who are just like us? So the mission we have is here, it's there, it's everywhere. And here Jesus talks about the ends of the earth. Now the mission of which he spoke was partially fulfilled at Pentecost when there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven who were gathered in Jerusalem. But for Jesus, the mission was certainly not limited to Israel. He ministered to Samaritans as well as to Gentiles. And I like to go back to Isaiah 49.6 where I find a job description of the Messiah where it says, It is a too small thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. So God's heart was all nations, and he chose Israel, not because they were better or bigger or more special than anybody else, but he chose them, and, and he really chose the puniness of them so that the glory may be his and not in them. And, and God still does that to the church today. But God chose him in order to be a blessing to the nations. Uh, the 
great commission given by Jesus there in Acts 1-8. It was to be a simultaneous mission that you were to reach out to Jerusalem. And oh, by the way, while you're reaching out to Jerusalem, you're to reach out to those in Judea and Samaria who are close by but different from you and at the same time send out people who will impact the world. Our mission cannot be limited to just the United States, just to us. But you know that. You know that. Cypress Street Church outreach includes support for missionaries uh, in something like four countries in Latin America and also in Turkey. And I commend you for that level of, of engagement. Thankfully, we live in a time when there are Christians in every nation around the globe, but the spread is far from being even. And by that I mean Christians are over 90% of the population in some countries and less than 100 of 1% in others. We live in a time when there's still like 7,000 unreached people groups representing 3 billion people where Christian population struggles to sustain a self-propagating church movement. And that includes the like 650 unreached people groups who are unengaged by any missionary efforts. I said to you last night, those who were gathered, that something like 81 or 82% of the world's non-Christians don't personally know a Christian. Is it any wonder they have not begun to follow Christ? There's no one shining the light of Jesus' love in their lives. They don't know a Christian. And to those kinds of challenges, we're called to respond to a local, as a local church. And I'm thankful for the global legacy of this church, but we cannot rest on our laurels. Didn't you learn a long time ago that God so loved the world? world. I just asked the United States is only 5% of the world's population. Should we care only about 5% whom God loves? So what are you personally willing to do to be more engaged globally? Some of you have gone on short-term mission trips, and I commend you for that. That's eye-opening, heart-rending, life-changing. We ought to be praying more specifically for unreached peoples. And certainly we ought to be giving through our faith promise program of this church. Because God can unleash through us thousands of dollars. Money that we don't have, but he's going to get through us for missions in ways that are going to make a difference in the life of people. Now, when you think about Acts 1 8, it seems like an impossible task when he spoke these words. But guess what? They did it. They did. They turned the world upside down in that message. In fact, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth becomes the table of contents for the rest of the book of Acts. And there are two reasons for that. One is he called them to be witnesses, and the word for witnesses is the very same word translated martyrs. And I suggest to you that when the church begins to invest the spirit of that kind of sacrifice, then fulfilling the great mission of God will not be a problem. The Apostolic Father Clement in his letter to the Corinthians late in the first century, who recorded some extreme examples of sacrifice, 
You, grow, you know that many among us have had themselves imprisoned so that they might ransom others. Many have sold themselves into slavery and with the price we see for themselves at that Those kinds of sacrificial actions are persuasive in convincing others to follow Jesus. I ask you, what sacrifices are you willing to make for the sake of those that call to reach? And there's other factor beyond the, the, the having martyrdom complex is the idea that the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit was a reminder to us that we cannot do this alone. There were acts of the apostles because of the acts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you have had uh, experience similar to mine. I'm working on a project with a battery power drill, and in the process, it slowly grinds to a And then I suddenly realized I did not plug in my backup battery to recharge it. And because I didn't recharge But instead of waiting until that battery recharged, I find myself using the drill manually to turn the screw. <laughs> Ever do that? I had a stupid thing to admit, but I've done that too many times. Rotating the entire drill manually in order to tighten that screw. It's a ridiculous way to use the power. But isn't that what the church looks like when we seek to be the church? without depending upon the Spirit's available power. It doesn't have to be that way. Because the power that was poured out on Pentecost for those disciples is the very same power that that work with us today. He is well. And that's why the faith promise plan is so effective. I know, I said this morning in Sunday school, our resources are limited, but not God. Because from his abundant resources, God wants to channel unexpected money through us in a way that supplies the needs of God's people. It blesses the local church and it fills our faith. So instead of asking, does the church of God in West Monroe have a mission, we need to ask, does the God of mission have a church in West Monroe? Willing to reach its potential globally and globally. The faith promises that amount of money that God wants to give through us for mission that He would never give to us. And right now we have the opportunity to respond in faith. You should have received a card. It's like this. When you brought it with you, you received it at home mail. Does anybody who does not have a card? Hold your hand. We have people who don't have a card. Can we make sure someone has a card? This is a spiritual exercise, as Pastor Dan mentioned. It's not a pledge of, of like a contract. It is a, a spiritual um, covenant that you make with God. That if God's, I'm going to pray that God can trust God for money. I don't have, I don't know where it's going to come from. I'm going to trust God to get it through me to share permissions. I'm going to have to be faithful and pass me off and go down 
We want to pray over this card right now before we commit to this. And in a moment then we're going to um, respond in faith. This, this is perforated. I love you. you tear that off. You have two parts to this even. Uh, the larger part is turned in. How much are you going to trust God for? And, and it can be paid weekly, monthly, by weekly, annually, whatever. Uh, and your name. And uh, we want to tell you, this is for you to keep a reminder. And you get a little graph on the back and you can indicate. Keep track of how did God supply this stuff. And there's really two ways of doing this, and I've done both ways. Uh, I've, I've done a, uh, made a big promise, and then as God supplied the money through the years, I've been faithful passing on to the local church. Other times I said, you know, I'm going to take an extra step maybe a date, and I'm going to give regularly so much every month and trust God to replenish that. And then I make you know, a little bit more. Whatever way works best, and some of you pray one way, and you pray the that's fine. But right now I'm going to ask you to simply pray over these cards and ask God to help us settle in our heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mission you called us to do as a local church. It's uh, overwhelming to us as we think about it logically, and yet it's not impossible because nothing is impossible with you. There, there have been great strides taken, uh, strides forward in this church through the years. They've accomplished things that, from a human standpoint, that you can't do that, and they did. But really, you did it through them. And we know that this faith promise endeavor is one that they're trusting you for. And so we pray that you would lay on our heart, whether as individuals or as a couple or as a family, that we're going to trust you for a certain amount of money that you're going to give to us, but not really to us, but through us, because we're going to be faithful in passing it on to you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the faith that is required of us. And, and how you're going to use that faith to build us up spiritually, and how that faith will also bless us in other ways in our life. Thank you for the faith that's going to impact this church, and more than that, it's going to touch and reach others. I pray your blessing on this congregation and our individual lives as we do this right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Pastor Dan, how we do this? Are we going to pass it in?
this is between you and the Lord. So uh, we're going to sing. Um, we're going to go ahead and sing something. If you'd like to join us in singing, this little song says, Together we go to make disciples.
faith promise. The promises are being made, over 95% of that came in. I've been to some churches that's come in 110 or 120. And I believe that for God. Look what we believe God to do through us. What we have, please. I told Gene he had to bring his million dollar check today, and he told me he's going to let somebody else help me. Uh, we serve globally. It's done. 
seeing it around the world. And, and this is tremendous. This is obedience. As I, I, like I said, I have never seen the church hurt when they're faithful in their mission giving because we're doing what the scripture tells us to do. We're being obedient and God takes care of us as, care of us as we uh, lead this. That's why you got ladies. Thanksgiving in our heart. Would you stand as we sing this? 
As we go, please remember our missions. What Don was talking about, our missions may be next door. Our missions may be our husband or wife or even kids. But remember, we have a Jesus to represent. And I pray that the face, the smile of Jesus will be seen in you so that you can give it away to others. Remember, God loves you. Our glory and power is given unto him in the name of Jesus. We'll see you next week. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs>